This is the Ink Pray Love podcast. We talk all things health, wealth, and community connection. Let's go. Welcome to this episode of the Ink Pray Love podcast. This is a solo episode because I want to bring you guys some gold and a crazy story, but some good information out of it to help you get through something wild and something maybe a little mystical. I'm going to talk about some weird things here, some weird shit I have been through. But before that, I'd like to ask you a favor. I do this podcast for free. It costs me money to do this thing, but I want to bring you value. Uh, I want to bring you some entertainment, some value, some gold, some things that I can give you out of my coaching practice, bring you amazing guests that I find super inspiring. All I ask for in return is if you can please share it. That's how I can get better guests on, bigger guests on. So please right now, if you're not hitting follow or subscribe and all those good things, please do so. And if you found value from this episode or other episodes, please share it. I appreciate that. Tag me when you do. I'll repost it. Thank you. So this episode is the sword fight black magic robbery story. My hand right now, I just had the stitches taken out this week to culminate five years after this story has happened, this crazy traumatic event, and uh, finally closed the chapter there. So that's a, that's a win. Yay. Let's take it back to Ubud, Bali. I'm building Karma House. This is 2018. About July 2018, I'm in the middle of the largest project I've ever built to date. We found a large location to build a tattoo restaurant and um, yoga dance creation studio upstairs at a lounge this was a big project for me I fundraised I put in money on my own and you know putting this project in I was swinging for the fences on this one this was my biggest project I thought I was going to be a big deal after this one my ego was a young entrepreneur I was you know full of myself you know fairly new in my spiritual practice and I thought that this was going to make me famous and powerful and all these egoic bullshit things I was young I was a puppy in the game. And this project and these crazy experiences turned me into a pro and a seasoned veteran because it hurts to grow often. <laughs> That's what growing pains are about, right? So anytime that you've ever suffered deeply, just know that it is an opportunity for you to grow and then serve and help others. And that's why we do this shit. That's that's the point of pain, right? To grow. So I'm building Karma House and this was a massive headache. The contractor turned out to be a thief and he was stealing from me and my partner's and this was getting really stressful. And I did something stupid because I became friends with the local mafia there that we got them involved. So they would tell him not to steal from me. And this guy ended up running off and st- after we heavied the guy, which I thought I'd never do again. I thought I was out, out of that kind of lifestyle. But I didn't want to be stolen from. And I wasn't a local. And he wouldn't really listen to me. And I couldn't heavy this guy on my own. So these guys told him not to steal from me. That turned out to be a weird experience. But I digress. I had just given... $5,000 worth, you know, five, 50 million rupiah. Um, I had that ready for payment for the new contractor. But the night before, or about a couple days before, uh, my house got robbed, you know, and there was a string of robberies happening. My little villa that I had, my little rice paddy villa, uh, there was a string of robberies happening in the area. And often this will be, you know, a construction site nearby. This is what the locals say. You know, there are people from neighboring islands, you know, Lombok or Java that'll come in and they'll rob, you know, tourists where, you know, a money machine, a cash cow. So, you know, I woke up the next morning and someone had jimmied a window while I was sleeping and 
a bunch of my belongings were on the front front lawn. You know, like they didn't take my passport, luckily, but that was in the bag, just stuff like that. But they took cash and a lot of cash. Five grand cash for any score is a pretty good score, you know, for a robber, local local guy, you know, jimming in your locks. So that sucked, but okay, whatever. I took the hit, paid for it, repaid it out of, out of my pocket, kept the project rolling. Now, I was in a pretty turbulent relationship, and I don't want to super throw my ex-girlfriend under the bus, but it was hard. It was so bad, and it was getting worse and worse. It was a toxic relationship. And my friends, God bless them, I have really good friends, decided to have an intervention with me. And this was around her birthday, so this was hard because I knew I needed to break up with her for a couple months. And they were telling me, you're changing as a human. Who you are and the type of guy you are is warping. You're changing. I was getting snappier. There's ugly parts of me coming out. I felt like I wasn't totally in control of myself and my emotions, really. I was shifting as a man. And they took notice. And I had good friends that would tell me. So on a day before this, uh, I did a mushroom journey with her on her birthday and I had the worst trip ever. We rented some really nice place. I got her like a nice hotel and we did mushrooms and right next to this beautiful river in the jungle. And all I could think of was, this is wrong. I'm in the wrong place. And when I'd look at her, I'd feel within my full body, something was wrong. This was it. And I looked at myself in the mirror and I felt deep depression. Like something is wrong. This is not the right place I'm supposed to be. You got to do something about it. And later that day, you know, or the next day, my friends told me, look, you have to break up with her where your friends were telling you to do it. It's like, dang. They all, three of my best friends, you know, Meditation Dave, uh, Brian Kelly, who's, you know, leading Breathmasters, Sacha Hart. These guys were like, you got to do this. Like, that's it, man. And then when your friends sit you down and talk to you like that, you know, you got to listen. They had my best interests at heart, at heart, for sure. They know me. They've seen me. They've seen, they know who I am. They know I'm not that type of guy who, to, who would change like this so rapidly. And so I listened to them and I knew I needed to do it. But that was the push. And my friends, good friends come in handy, right? So that day, the day after her birthday, I broke up with her peacefully. It was cool. And we still live together. We're going to do it in a way that, okay, we'll try to have like a conscious breakup because we're trying to be the Ubud conscious couple, right? And the next day, or the, that night, she had that day she had a birthday party planned by her best friend. Her best friend was pissed at me. Her best friend at the time was really mad at me and uh, that I did that kind of ruined her birthday. So they got really drunk. They drank a bunch of tequila that day. I was home meditating, trying to shake this off. She comes home drunk. And uh, I was like, let's just, let's just try to get a good night's sleep. You know, okay, we'll be all right. Take a sleeping pill. So we split one. And later on that night, I get woken up by her. And it's about two in the morning. And she's going, there's people in the house. And I was like, no, it's just another earthquake. Because there's a lot of earthquakes happening at that time. And she goes, no, 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 there's, there's people. And I realized she was shaking. It wasn't the house. So I launched out of bed. And I was in my Muay Thai fight shorts. I slept in them. They're comfy. You know, my, they say Baya on the front, Isvan on the back. They're my old training shorts, old fight shorts. And before I could think about it, you know, I opened my bedroom door that led into the kitchen. Now, I usually carry a big knife next to my bed like a lot of guys do. But I didn't grab it. I didn't think about it. Honestly, I forgot about it. I'm glad, I'm glad I didn't, though. So I open that door and I see two guys in ski masks in my kitchen. And they stop what they're doing. They look at me and I look at them and I see two guys in ski masks. They see a six foot one fully tatted kickboxer in bike shorts. So the first guy's like, fuck that. Jumps out the window, the ground floor, right? Jumps out the window. Second guy pulls out a sword 
about this big. Now, this sword was in my house already. My Balinese little brother, good day, gave it to me. He's the manager of Conscious Arts Tattoo Shop. He gave it to me um, from his village. This was a real battle sword used, you know, 100 years ago, like old sword. And but it's a real sword. I didn't quite register this guy was pulling out the sword because all I thought was, I'm going to fuck this guy up. It was an intruder in my house. I'm going to defend someone I love inside my house. And I launched across the kitchen with a jab cross. And when I launched at him, he had thrown the sheath of the sword at me. And I parried it. I really quickly saw that. And I just parried it. And it nicked my hand. I still have the scar in my hand here. And it broke a mirror behind me. But I dodged that. And as I came in, jab cross, the jab hit the sword. I didn't see the sword, but jab hit the sword. So that's my left knuckle tendon instantly severed. Didn't even feel it. The cross clocked him, knocked him to the ground. And I got on top of him and I just started raining shots on him. Punch, punch, punch. And then I realized my hand wasn't working so well. So I lined him up a big roundhouse kick right to the body, knee to the head. And he was on the ground, raining shots on him. And I realized like, this is something's, something's wrong. So I was like, okay, end the fight. And I'm just thinking in training because I trained for this, but it's different when it's in person. So I got in a rear naked choke and I'm cranking it. But I'm really realizing it's not like training. Like he didn't just go to sleep. He's gutturally like begging for his life. Like, please, please, please. Like that kind of thing. While he's trying to like punch his way out of it. And I'm just cranking it. And I'm just like, this isn't cool. <laughs> I don't like this. Like usually he's tapping out. The fight's done. And I mean, and secondly, I don't know what I'd do with the guy. Like if I, you know, if he passes out, then then what? Like, I don't have rope. <laughs> I don't have tape. Like, I don't, I, what am I going to do with this guy? I don't even know my address. I'm on the rice paddies. Like, my place was very remote. There's no road there. You'd take a scooter to get to my little place. I don't even know the number to call police. Like, so I don't know what I would do with this guy after that, right? It was just this crazy, bloody fight. And I'm realizing, like, man, just kick the shit out of this guy and let him go. Like, that's all, like, really, like, you know, in the in the fit. There's so much hindsight, you know, what you could have done after the fact, but when you're in a bloody brawl in your house in the middle of the night, you're just, just sleeping. It's not exactly logic going through your head, but what I later found out what came through my head was just instinct and also my inner child. Um, one of my close friends, Hella Weston, did a session with me immediately after. We'll get into that. But it was my inner child came out and was like, don't kill this guy. Like, don't, don't do it. It's not worth it. You don't need to. And I consciously thought that and when we got, when I let him go, he's gasping for air, like just trying to get, get, get back his, his, his wind. And I got up and the sword was directly in between us. And we both look at it at the same time. I got longer arms. I got to it first. And I thought, well, might as well use it a little bit. So I did hack at him like a few times and gave him a few chops, chop, chop, chop. I, and I consciously thought, don't stab the guy. You know, I don't want to kill him, but I want him to know you can't just go around robbing tourists. Like, this is no way to live. You cannot do this without getting your ass kicked. So I kicked his ass. So I beat this guy pretty good, and he managed to get up at one point and then jump out the window. And I knew it's not enough. I thought, okay, it's done. But then there was something in me that was just like, one more shot. So I met him outside because he ran around the side of the house. I met him at the front of the house, and I just clocked him with a big two, big right cross. Knocked him, he fell, crashed into my, my lantern. I had a cool little zen garden. And I'm like, man, my garden lantern, fuck. And then he ran off into the woods, into the jungle, sorry, blood trail following him. And I just will never forget this moment where I screamed in the night sky in Bali. And I went, motherfucker! And just had this big adrenaline rush like I've never had before. And I, wa I screamed that loud because I wanted my neighbors to also hear that. And when I, when I went back to the house, there was blood everywhere. His blood, my blood, broken glass, just 
the tables overturned. This, everything was a mess inside. I was like, oh shit. And I looked at my hand and it was hanging and my finger was hanging down and blood was gushing out of it. I was like, oh shit. Originally I thought, oh man, I broke my hand on this guy's head. I didn't even think about the sword. And I was like, oh, oh dang, that's going to need a surgery. I'm going to need stitches. And I remember my neighbor was this like, you know, retired American California scientist. Super cool dude. And I go, Jeremiah, are you awake? Because he's like right next door. And he's like, are you okay? And he heard everything, obviously. And I go, somebody's tried to rob my house. I just beat him up. Uh, I think I need some help. And he's like, okay, I'll be right over. So Jeremiah comes. And as he's coming outside of his house, he's like, hold on a second. And his dog was in the pool. And he's like, uh, hold on, I got to get the dog out of the pool. I'm like, wait, what? Because his dog hates water. And his dog's a super sweet bolly dog, right? Barks at everything, everything. And it loved me. It would come and hang out with me all the time. But that dog would hate the water. So there's no way that dog would have gone into the pool. So we were both kind of tripping for a second. Like, that's not normal. That wouldn't have happened. That's like one key indicator. That's weird. So he comes over, gets the dog out of the pool, comes over to me. He's like, holy shit. As he's coming over, I go into the bedroom and I go to check on my ex-girlfriend. Or, uh, yeah, go check on her. And she's butt naked because he sleeps naked. She's holding crystal rose quartz wand like a spiritual dildo in her hand and she's shaking in the corner she's like use she's gonna use that as a weapon or something i'm like okay put that down get your clothes on grab our valuables grab our belongings put it into a backpack we're leaving we gotta get out of here and she's like okay i'm like i gotta get a towel we gotta go to the hospital i need stitches she looks at my hand she's like oh my god she's freaking out i'm like don't worry so i grab a towel compress the wound get my stuff together i hop on the back of jeremiah's scooter and I'm on the back of this like retired scientist's uh, bike driving through the jungle to go find a clinic at 2.30 in the morning in Ubud, Bali. And we're driving through there. And I remember there was one kind of close by. So we go to this like 24-hour hole-in-the-wall little ghetto clinic, right? We rock up there and they're like, what the fuck? There's just two girls that were, they were sleeping. Like this 24-hour clinic. They're sleeping. And they're sitting there sleeping. I wake them up. And they're like, uh. I'm like, uh. My hand, they're like, uh, oh shit, okay. So we get in there, and they have to stitch my hand up. They have no uh, painkillers. They got no, um, you know, anesthesia, nothing. I'm raw dog in this one. Right? So we get in there, and it's me, my ex-girlfriend. She took her scooter there. My um, my neighbor, these two little Balinese girls, like, you know, maybe in their early 20s, like nurses, trainee nurses or something, right? And they're stitching up my hand. They're like, uh, okay, like they did a, they did a, not a good job. They're just stopping the bleeding and put that on. That was rough. That was painful. As that's happening, I'm going through this trauma instance. Like my adrenals are all over the place, and I just can't stop seeing the blood. I can't stop seeing the fight. I just keep going into this trauma response where I keep reliving it. I'm seeing it, and so I'm kind of like fading off into this like nothingness void of replaying what happened. And Jeremiah goes, "Hey, buddy, you okay?" And I'm like, "Yeah, uh, yeah." Yeah, 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 no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, you know? It's okay. It's like, all right. And so I like, give him my backpack of all my belongings and call my landlord. I wake him up, and we went to a local hotel called The Mansion. And so after this, they stitched me up. They're like, you need to get a surgery. You're, you're, you've severed your tendon. Like, I couldn't raise my finger. They're like, you severed a tendon. You need to go to the big hospital. You need to go to the big hospital and get a surgery. I'm like, shit. Like, okay, this is more more than I expected. Okay, so we go to this hotel. And my landlord meets me there, and he's this old Balinese guy. Cool dude, sweet. 
right? And he couldn't believe what happened. He's inst- He's so mortified about it, right? And he's like, first thing he says to me was, if we caught him, we'll kill him for you. And I was like, oh shit, like I'm traumatized right now. He's like, we'd string him up at the, on the mango tree because there's a mango tree. And he said this in Indonesian. So it took me a second to like really comprehend that like, yeah, we'd string him up for you. And I'm like, what the fuck, right? But oh, uh, good. thanks, Bach, like cool. Um, so we take a taxi and so one of the hotel staff drives us to this bigger hospital but this is still a ghetto hospital this is not like the nicest hospital even the best hospital in bali is like a c because like, you know you want an a plus when you're getting surgeries this is not great this was the ghetto version of that so we rock up to the ghetto local hospital the biggest one they have in ubud and they sit me down they're gonna they hear about what happened they see it's a it's a it's an armed robbery defense they're like oh shit okay we're gonna call the police i'm like fuck okay so I'm sitting there, they're compressing the bleeding, getting me ready for that while these regional police come by. And the 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 regional police is for the whole little Gyanyar, it's the local, you know, little state province thingy, little region, right? They come through and they're like, oh, get take a statement. As well as the local police, the Ubud police come through and they take a statement. And, you know, I'm giving it in Indonesian, my broken, and my Indonesian is pretty decent. So, you know, I can, I can communicate what's happening. And they're just like, holy shit. And the regional police say, well, we wish we caught him. They're like, did you stab him? Like, they were just happy about being violent towards the guy. And that was interesting. But they're like, did, did you stab him? And I'm like, no, I hacked him. And they're like, where? And I'm showing, showcasing where because they want to see if, they, if this guy has some serious wounds. They're going to go look at hospitals for him. They're going to begin a search to grab this guy. And they're like, okay. And then they follow a blood trail um, when they went back. So this is a later part. So I go into operation, right? And uh, I get out. Go in, they put me under, I get out, my hand's in this big-ass cast. And I'm still like, fuck, this was crazy. And my ex at the time, she's traumatized as well. She couldn't believe, we just broke up. So she's having a tough go as well, right? She just, we, just, we just had a breakup, and now she just had to deal with probably the most traumatic, violent thing she's ever seen. And she's like, can we just stay together? I'm like, well, yeah, we, we can get a hotel after. But she's like, no, like, stay together, like, as in us. I'm like, yo, like. Let's not talk about that right now. This is not the reason to be like, let's work it out. You know, we're fucking something like this, right? But, but I'm not just going to leave you in this situation. Like, let's get through this. So I get out of out of the the first uh, operation. And now, and it's a few hours later. So now the my visa agent, she's a little gangster grandma, has my back through everything. One of my close friends, she brings the local mafia because they want to know what's happened. They want to know what's up. And they're very protective over me. They're very sweet. I did a lot of charity work in that area and in their village particularly where Karma House is. So these guys are cool. They they appreciate that I just come and I'm not just taking. That I just come and I'm trying to help their community. And when their kids got sick, I'd bring by food. And when the elderly in their area got sick, we'd bring by food. We'd take care of their, their people. So they were like, this guy's, this guy's solid. They have my back. So the local police or the village police, so the Petaleng, they came. And so they came. The village police is like the you know, the people of the village and they have their own little community kind of police. And they go, if we caught him, we, we would cut his hands off. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> Thanks. Right. And the, the mafia says, if we caught him, we bury him in the rice paddies for you. And I'm like, great. <laughs> Thanks. You know, fuck man. <laughs> like this is just an intense situation. So all these people, the village, regional, local and mafia, they're all like, damn, this guy just shit kicked some robbers. Like, cool and so i got some street cred there that's great but also my hands fucked i can't move it i just broke up with my girlfriend my house is a crime scene there's blood and glass everywhere i can't go back to there and now i'm with the girls trying to get away from and try to break up with 
I'm stuck with her and we have to get a hotel. We go back to the, to the mansion hotel. So we go back to this place and get a room. And check in the room, I let all my boys, the Yogi Lab boys know what happened. But this time, they came to the hospital before I came. They wanted to like, check on me, get a statement, see how I'm going. You know, We were shooting a Yogi Lab documentary at the time. And they were like, get the content. <laughs> Talk about it in the hospital. So we filmed this like this instinct, which was kind of fucked up. <laughs> in retrospect, maybe we should have filmed that part. But we, we did that. We got the footage. And we finally get back into the hotel. And this is when things get kind of fucking crazy. Now, this is where the black magic part came in because my local Balinese family said, wait, the dog was in the water? And, like, I kicked the shit out of this guy and he still was able to fly out of there. Like, weird. And they said, it feels like this guy could have been, like, a black magic robber from Lombok. They use a lot of, you know, black magic, a neighboring island. The Javanese, they always say, use a lot of black magic. This is what Balinese people often say about the neighboring islands. You know, it could be a little bit of island-to-island racism. But also, they said, what happened there is not normal. Like, that's really out there. And the whole situation felt weird. It felt sticky. I was like, okay. Now, that started scaring me a little bit. Because everything felt scary, icky, and weird. Now, I, 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 I'm in a traumatic state. I mean, this is crazy. I keep thinking about it. I'm in a lot of pain, too. There's stitches in my hand. My, my hand can't move. It's, you know, it, it's, it's a crazy situation. And we're back at the hotel, and I'm thinking about this black magic thing. Right? This is fucked up. You know, this is this is now in my head, and all I can think about is, what would a what would black magic be like? Entities, things flying around me, like ghosts, like what the fuck, man? Like, I I could fight robbers, like I'll, I'll scrap. I'm a warrior, but how the fuck do you fight a ghost? Like, what do you do in this situation? Like, that's that's not cool. That freaks me out. I'm not into that. Uh, and so I'm trying to sleep. They're freaking out, you know. And at this point, my ex, she goes outside, and she's on her phone. And something pinged in with me like, something's wrong. Something's weird here. I don't know about this. And so I looked through the window of the hotel and I could see her on her phone. So I opened the blinds and I looked at her phone and I swear to God, I could see her scrolling a site where there's like voodoo magic. Like you could you could get somebody that's on the internet to do a, a sorcery, you know, spell or some shit and do like a voodoo, voodoo thing. And she wanted to get pregnant. She was looking for voodoo magic babies. And she saved the number under Viber and her phone. I saw this with my own eyes. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, how do you compute that kind of information? You're <laughs> like, yo, your ex is trying to get a voodoo black magic baby. Like, I saw it with my own two eyes. What the fuck do I do out of this situation? So I message Meditation Dave. I'm like, bro, what do I do? And Dave's one of my close, closest friends, you know, the most intelligent person I know. Like, what do I do in this situation? He's like, get the fuck out of there. You know, I'm like, it's the middle of the night. Now, he's in England at the time. And he's like, uh, you got to get out as soon as you can. So I'm like, okay, well, we had a Yogi Lab Villa in Uba at the same time. My buddy Marcus Grip, he was doing videography for us. He was awake. I'm like, you got to come get me the next morning. Like, or he, when he gets up, he's the closest person by. So he's going to get, let me escape. I have to get out of here, but it's going to be in the morning. This is middle of the night. So she comes back in. She's like, hey, what were you doing? And I'm like, eh, nothing. Fuck. You know, like trying to, trying to just shake this one off. And she goes to sleep. I can't sleep. I'm wide awake. My hand's ringing in pain. And I'm also like, what the fuck? Like, did this situation have to do with that situation? Did she pull in this? I don't think so. But what the hell? Now, I go through her phone. She's sleeping. And I look up. And I go into the bathroom. And I, and I look up Viber on her phone. See the phone number. Take that phone number. Google search it. 
shows up this website, Voodoo Magic. How uh, Voodoo, Ma Voodoo Magic love spells, Voodoo Magic pregnancy spells. So she was going to contact this website to try to get a Voodoo spell, you know, love baby or some shit. I'm like, oh, fuck. This is real. Like, she's doing this. Fuck, what do I do? Just then she bursts into the bathroom. She's like, what are you doing on my phone? And I'm like, who the fuck is a viber? And she's like, get on my phone. Yeah, she knew I caught her right there. I'm like, you tell me who this is right now and what you're doing or I'll never speak to you again. She's like, no, no, give it to me. Give it to me right now. And I'm trying to like push her away. I got one hand in a cast, one hand on her phone. And I'm trying to like push her away like Muay Thai with my knees to get her away from me so I can like, you know, deal with the situation. Finally, like, give her her phone back. There's no use I can like, hide it from her. I'm like, you gotta tell me what happened or, or, it's, or I'll never speak to you again. She wouldn't tell me. She's like, no, no, it, it wasn't like that. It's not what you think. And she's just trying every excuse she could to not fess up to what was actually happening. And I was just like, fuck, there's no use in this. Okay. Awkward. Awkward next few hours to try to just wait for my friend to wake up to pick me up. He comes at about 6.30 in the morning. It's been a crazy night. I look haggard. I packed up all my shit. And she's like, where are you going? And I'm packing up with one hand. She's like, where are you going? Why are you leaving? You're going to leave me here? You're just going to leave me here after all this? You're just going to go away? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, yo, you're looking up how to voodoo me. There's a fucking, of course I'm getting out of here, right? And she's like freaking out. And he comes and he has to come see this situation. She's like screaming. We're screaming. There's a whole scene in this hotel room. I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I'm like giving him my bags and we're like running through this hotel and she's running after us and we're in the lobby of it. She's like, David, hi. And I'm jumping on the back of the scooter. I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And we're racing off in this fucking random jungle hotel. She's screaming in the lobby. I'm driving away with one hand in a cast and I'm just like, fuck, this is crazy. This is just a crazy situation to be in. And we go to this little villa that we had and sitting there and he's like, okay, you'll be here safe for a couple nights. Just, just stay here. And I couldn't have been more unsettled my whole life. Uh, that night, and we had to, we're going to go see a healer the next day. I talked to Gade, my little brother at Conscious Arts. And I'm like, I got to go see somebody to clear this. Like, I, there's, there's, there's voodoo, black magic. There's just shit around that I'm fucking scared of. He said, okay, I'm going to take you to my home village. And we have a Balayan, a local healer. And this is not a touristy place to go. Tourists don't go there. And everybody that keeps asking me and hearing this, can you give me that contact? Like, I can't. It's... It's local as local gets, right? You'd have to contact Gadea Conscious Arts, pay him, pay him to take you, and he doesn't really get too many days off work, so I don't do that. You know, it's like he likes to grind. He, so, anyways, he it, he took me to this place, but that night before I had to leave, man, we I couldn't sleep. I just felt like there was things floating around me in the room, and it was the most unsettling feeling to feel like you're not alone, and what's around you is not entirely positive. And this is where I started really freaking out. I felt hair standing up on my skin. And I was just like, this ain't cool, man. I'm not into this. This is this is scary. This is worse than robbers. This is this is some shit you can't touch. So I was, I was, I was scared. And so the next morning, we go out a couple hours out into the north of Bali. And we go to this t um, region called Bangli. And this is like, they don't really see tourists at all here. Well, they say me is, you know, six foot one tatted brown guy with a cast on his hand. They're like, what the fuck is this guy doing here? You know, and I can speak Indonesian, so it's, you know, a bit more chill. They're like, okay, what are you doing here? You know? And I'm like, uh, and I learned how to say, you know, Melawan Perampok, which is like, I fought robbers. I learned how to say that statement that they'll never teach you in school, in, in Indonesian classes. I learned how to say that because of this. They're like, holy shit. They're like, where, how, what? They're going to tell them what happened. They're like, fuck. <laughs> you know, it was just a crazy thing to tell people. So I meet this guy, Jado, and he is a, he's a Balian. Look like a normal guy. Father of two, little, you know, very, very local person, very local village. And he took me into this back room. 
in his in his in his compound. And I go into this little tiny room, like like the size of like my little office here, small room. And there's a shrine with a bunch of bottles, a bunch of, of relics, a bunch of masks, a bunch of statues of all the gods, incense. And it looks like he's lit like thousands of incense in there because there's a big black cloud from the incense on the ceiling. Tile floor, very basic. He goes, sit. I'm like, okay. He's saying Indonesian, right? He doesn't speak any English. He mostly speaks Balinese, actually, but he can understand Indonesian. We speak Indonesian together. But he speaks Balinese to G'day. But G'day is tran translating to me in English and Indonesian. So sit down. He's going to bless you. You're going to pray together. And he's going to check you. I'm like, okay. So he starts doing the thing. Starts, play, starts praying. He's playing. We have our incense. We're doing the blessing with the little flowers. We're doing the, the little ritual. I'm like, okay. And I'm starting to feel like I'm heating up. And I'm starting to feel like like things things are shifting around me. And I don't, I don't know about this, man. And then he turns and he looks at me. And his face starts changing. Like, not morphing, but he's shifting. It's it's craziest shit I've ever seen. And he starts pointing his incense into my chest, the incense. And he starts just focusing on it. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Right? I'm sitting there and I'm like, uh. and I notice I'm starting to breathe more irregularly. So I'm starting to go, and my breath is shifting. I'm changing. And then he starts going, and he starts changing into this, his face shifts, he's contorting. And it's like, he's energetically going inside of me. And I'm starting to breathe very irregularly. And I'm, like, ah, 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 and I'm starting to really hyperventilate. Oh my shit. Like, I can't control what's happening with me. And he's starting to pull something. I'm feeling something pull out of me. And I'm starting to breathe it out. You know, and this is a longer process, about five, 10 minutes of, and I'm starting to hyperventilate and almost vomit something out. And it's energetic. There's nothing actually physically coming out, but there's, it's like, I feel like a, cloud of black smoke like it's just like darkness was pulling it out of me he's pointing this incense stick and he's pulling it out of me and he's still going and just contorting as a human it was the craziest shit i'm freaking out i'm full sweating like covered my shirt's totally wet breathing freaking out tears snot breath everything just every orifice shit's coming out of me pulls it and this was like a 20, 30 minute process. It was hard work. Pulls it all out. I'm exhausted after, right? And he looks at me. It's okay. And he goes, never sleep with that girl again. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> like, okay. My theory, she didn't do this, you know, maliciously. Uh, I think a lot of people practice sex magic and tantra. She's a tantra teacher, right? Uh, and if you go to schools like, you know, in the, in Copangana, Gama, or, or things like this, like that practice, maybe sex, sexual rituals, sex, sex tantra, if you, you know, you're in addiction for a long time, you can pick up entities. You can pick up things that feed off of you and use a sexual nature and they get fed off of sexual energy and validation. This is my theory around it all from what, what I experienced. Who the fuck, what do I know? And so... That was what I was seeing was like, okay, there was a, and he said it was kind of like a black witch that was pulling the strings and they call it a seitan. A seitan was, that's what they call it in Indonesian. You know, it's like a succubus, something that just sucks energy away and uses sexual energy and validation as a means to get power. And that, those hooks and strings were in me so deep. And that's kind of like what I was getting. I was getting sucked dry from this energy. And I was like, holy shit. Okay. Well, that's, that's a thing. But he's like, oh, I didn't get it all out though. You have to come back again in three days. 
I'm like, what the fuck? You think three days? I want it all out now. Do you, I, I have to three days I have to wait, and there's something still in me. Like you know, how unsettling that is mentally. So we leave there. I'm exhausted. I go shower. I have to spend three more nights alone in this in this room, freaking out. Like oh my god. But I asked him, wait, what do I do? What do I do in this situation when I feel like there's energies around me that aren't serving me? He said, okay. And he tells me in Indonesian. I'll translate. He said, put your feet flat on the ground. I'm like, okay. I'm going to sit flat on the ground. I want you to breathe in three times, but breathe in the energy of the earth. And breathe in from the earth and then think of golden light. Breathe in, breathe in. And so I did that. And he's like, yeah, there's intention that you can bring in to protect your energy. And you just have to consciously do it and protect create a force field around you but bring it from the earth and use the light it's like okay okay at least i have some sort of practice and i kept developing that practice to protect my energy and ward off the and, and use the light use the light use the light that'll expel you from darkness okay i can do that so i was using that for the next three days but the other thing that i had going on was there was a vipassana meditation retreat we planned with the boys and we're gonna go to malaysia you know, leaving Bali, go to Malaysia. It's a 10-day silent meditation retreat. Now, that was in six days. So, so when the accident happened, or when the, when the certified Black Badger robbery happened, I had nine days until I was going to go away. We booked the flights. We had everything planned. You know, I was going to be away for 10 days in silence in my own head with my hand infusing back together after all this crazy shit. I wasn't, you know, totally sure on that experience. I'm like, that, that sounds like a lot. Um, and I was talking to this, like, energetic counselor at the time, and she was like a guidance counselor. She had guidance, you know, PhD and blah, 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 and all this stuff. A smart person. And I said, well, what should I do? She goes, well, it's nice that you'll be around your your guys, your people. We had a really tight crew. So you have your support network there. But I want you to be able to plan and exit out if it's too much. If you think you can't deal with that kind of trauma in your own head, I want you to be able to like maybe find a hotel that's close by and like have that so you can book it and just leave and go off on your own. And I was like, yeah, okay. But in my own head, when I was thinking about that, the first thing that came to my head was coping and addiction. And I was like, yeah, I'll go off and get hammered for a few days if this doesn't work. That's where my head went right away because I was in so much mental and emotional pain. That's still was lighting up in my head as a way to cope because I didn't know how to deal with what I'd been dealing with. And I knew that was a bad idea. Because if you lower your frequency and you're in already a susceptible space to energetic attacks and shit like that, the last thing you want to do is drugs and alcohol. You want to keep your energy clean. You want to keep your headspace clean. You want to be powerful. You want to eat well, sleep well, you know, train your body, move your body, be around good people. The last thing you want to do is, you know, get fucked up and have more energetic imbalances around you. That's not good. So then I asked Meditation Dave what to do. Obviously, you know what he's going to say, meditate. And he goes, this might be something for you to face the trauma and it'll come out as power. I was like, all right, let's do it. Let's make it happen. So... Our squad, we fly to Malaysia. Me, Brian Kelly, Sasha Hart, Marcus Grip, uh, Mikhail Kuhar, we all go together. And we get to this Vipassana meditation retreat. And there's about 100 people in this retreat. And maybe maybe upwards of that. And they're all looking at me. And I'm the guy with the cast on his hand. And people have signed it at this point. So like hearts and shit and all this stuff on this cast. We were wondering like, what happened to this guy, right? Obviously, no one thinks Buddha Black Magic robbery. <laughs> but like, you know, that's, that's where my hand was at. And the pasta meditation retreats are a beautiful opportunity to grow, but they're not easy. Doing one without that kind of trauma, just normally going in, they're fucking hard. You know, let's wake up at 4 a.m., meditate for 10 hours in silence, 
intermittent fasting, eating vegetarian diet, you know, you stop eating after 12. There's so many factors of that that are really difficult. Then you factor in on top a breakup, heartbreak, you know, a robbery, violence, trauma, your hand fusing back together, losing your house, black magic, all this shit on top of that. Yeah, good luck. And that's where I was at. And so the first three days were intensely painful, mentally and emotionally. The hand, I can deal with the pain, no biggie. It hurt, but that, that wasn't that wasn't the focus of it. My heart hurt. That was hard. And I developed a technique there and I asked, you know, I, lo- I was reading some meditation books. And so mental noting was one of the things that started with. And that was factor in and count how many times you think about the thing you don't want to think about. And I was like, okay, so... I didn't want to think about my ex, the breakup. That was really in my head. I really loved her. I I bought a diamond. I thought I was going to marry this girl. I was really in love with her, you know, and it broke my heart so much to see that she wasn't uh, somebody that was going to be a a good influence in my life. Okay. So when, when that happened, I thought about her the first day 21 times. The next thing I thought about was obviously the violence, the robbery. And I thought about that 19 times. So I noted it. I had a little marker in my booklet. And I note how many times you thought of that thought. What this did was gave me agency of my thoughts. So I was able to not just think about a bunch of shit and it ruled me. I could start tracking my thoughts. And then the next day, it went to 19 of her and 17 of the robbery. Okay. And then the third day, it went to 17 and I think 12. I was like, oh shit. Okay. Now, when I did go into the robbery stuff and I was meditating, I would go into the robbery. I was sitting there meditating, but my entire body would seize up with like, just, just, I was in fight mode. My cortisol levels were probably through the roof and I was daydreaming or meditating and just thinking about killing this person and like actually just stabbing him through the throat, just crazy violent shit. And I'd be meditating and I'd be full sweat and I'd be like, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. You're doing that thing again. You're thinking about the thing and look, your body's reacting. Your nervous system is still in the fight. You need to block that off. I mean, how many times have you guys been in, say, like a heartbreak or a crazy situation and you think about the situation and your body reacts? All right, let me break it down even probably more practically. How many times have you had like a sexual fantasy while you're driving or sitting there and your body reacts, right? Your mind is powerful and your body will follow. So I really realized then I can't let my mind get carried away in these crazy graphic fantasies because my nervous system is taking a toll for it. It's still living it. Your Your nervous system will follow what your thoughts are going through. Just like if you can calm your mind, you can calm your body. You can control it. You can control your body, you can calm your mind. They're directly linked. And the whole practice of the first four days of the Vipassana meditation retreat are anapana, the, the focus of the, the breath, conscious awareness of your breath. So to keep bringing myself back to my breath, getting out of my head, you know, getting out of this trauma on my body, just, right, just focus just on your breath, just on the air coming in and out of your nose. That's a superpower. That right there can get you through so much in life, it's wild. It'll instantly bring back your agency, instantly bring back your power and control so you can be here right now. Even if you try this while you're listening to this, focus on the, the air coming in. Focus on focusing. You know, focus on what I'm saying and get into this a little bit deeper. And then things shift. Things change. You're harnessing your awareness. So that was cool. That was a, that was a big takeaway for me. I was able to learn how to harness my awareness while dealing with hella fucked up stuff. No, I was still mentally hurting. I was in a tailspin. And my bro, Brian Kelly, I think you could see it. The boys kept kind of checking in on me. Like, you're not supposed to talk in these retreats, but I'd get the looks, you know, Sasha would come up and be like, 
you good? Like, you give me a look. Are you okay? And then I'd be like, uh-huh. You know, with my other hands in a cast, I'd like th- thumbs up with the cast on, like peachy, you know? But thank God, on, on day four or five, I get a book slid under my door. And under this door, I look at this book, and it's uh, Joseph Goldstein Insight Meditation. And so I opened this book, and this book changed my life because it showed me these techniques and showed me the way that we can operate our mind in a more sharp way, in a way that will help us gain agency of the quality of our thoughts, and that'll change your perspective and it'll change your actions. So the first technique that I saw in there was, okay, audit your thoughts. Ask yourself two questions. Is this thought useful? And if it isn't, drop it. Secondly, is this thought wholesome? If it isn't, drop it. So those are the two questions. Is it useful? Is it wholesome? Sorry, it was, is it skillful? Which is almost the same as useful, but skill. Let's, let's focus on that. Is it skillful? Is what you're thinking in a way that is useful to you? Is it making your life better? Is it helping you in your situation? Is this tactical thinking? You know, Is this thinking that's progressive? Is this thinking that's bettering your life? Is this thinking a high-level person would do? Is it skillful? Are you thinking with skill? Or is it just mindless scrolling? Or is it just negative self-talk? Or is it just self-disbelief? Or is it just nagging and shame and guilt? Are you in a spiral? That's without skill. With skill is, the best way I'll get through this is this. Or calm your body. Or be here present. You know, you're thinking with agency rather than thinking in a way that is just letting yourself run away with negativity and fear and trauma and chaos. Okay. Skill. Think with skill. Okay. That was a brilliant concept for me. Think with skill. Gotcha. Good one. Wholesome. Is this wholesome? What do you mean? Well, wholesome is pretty straightforward. Like, you know, are you getting lost in a stabbing someone in the throat fantasy? And I think this all the time. Sometimes I'm driving and I'm just like, what if I ran over those people? And you're like, wait a minute, why? You know, your mind does that sometimes where you just think some crazy violent shit for no reason or, you know, wild sexual fantasies or just just ridiculous thoughts that make no sense. This happens. Our mind is super creative and it runs away, of course. We're all like this. I know I'm not just a thought serial killer sometimes. I think everybody is. And I thought about that wholesome. Okay, so is this thought, you know, something that's rooted in kindness and compassion? Or, you know, is it something that is, is valuable, is a gem of a thought? You know, is this wholesome? Do I want to be having this thought? Does it make me feel good to have this thought? Is it is this a good thought to have? Skillful and wholesome. So that was something that really helped change me because my thoughts were cloudy and muddy and dark. And when I asked myself these two things, is this skillful? Is this wholesome? I got a lot of no's. And the next process was drop it. Okay, drop the thought. Okay, that's not a good thought. Drop the thought. And obviously the first day it doesn't go so well because you have to do it a lot. But again, just like the, the mental notation you get power when you get your reps in. So the more I did it, the better I got at it. I started getting better and better and better at it. And by the end of the retreat, I had a pretty good handle on how I was thinking. I think I was down to like five and five and three or something. You know, the thoughts about the without being able to catch them and just running into it was pretty good from 21 and 19. So it was pretty damn good. And I felt really empowered about the situation. I really went into the trauma and I was able to come out of it shining. I came out of it with power. I came out of it in a stance that it was like, okay, I got this. 
that was fucked up. And I have a lot of still to deal with. I have to move out of my house. I got to deal with this breakup. We're a pretty public couple. We have billboards of us in Ubud, their friend's clothing brand. So I had to drive by it to get to Carmel's. That was heartbreaking. I had to go, who, who else breaks up with someone? You have to drive by a fucking billboard of you two. It was rough. Um, it was really heartbreaking. And it got nastier. You know, the breakup was, was hard. Um, it was a really difficult time for me. But what I really learned out of that was that if we face the trauma and go into it, man, that's that's where power is. And we need our sangha, our spiritual community. It's extremely important. And I had my boys. I had my guys that we were leveling up together. We were on the path together. We are going into practice together. We are meditating together. We are building a business together. That community of people evolving together is invaluable. Because when times are tough and you need them or they need you, these are the right people to lean on. We need good people in our life. And sometimes it's difficult where you are in your neighborhood. So you need it online. You need the right inputs. You need the right mentors and connections. And, and, and you need the right information. And that's why books, podcasts, you know, coaching, all this is so, so valuable for us. If I didn't have Joseph Goldstein, which I've never met, and probably, you know, like there's no access. I don't know how I'd meet that guy. But his book changed my life, you know, and it, and it helped me in the craziest situation to learn a key piece of knowledge that I was able to integrate at the right time that changed the way I think forever. And it changed how I'm able to handle emergency situations forever. So we need the right information coming in and we need to be able to action it. I'm reading this book right now um, and it's shifting the way we think on intelligence. And I really see now intelligence isn't being able to like, you know, memorize a math equation and, you know, square root of triangles and shit. Another form of intelligence is being able to read situations, action, and take in information and then use it in a dynamic situation and action it. And that's a great way to be intelligent because it makes you capable in any situation. Now, these mindfulness and mental strength techniques help you be able to take in information, stay composed, regulate your nervous system, be able to act, and then move into a new direction and a dynamic situation and then be able to act with agency. And that changes everything. It changes your reaction to everything. Martial arts helped me get through that situation. I was able to just act because I had my reps in. Just like the mental notation, just like the two the two questions you can ask yourself, you got to get your reps in and you practice these brilliant techniques because then when shit hits the fan, you can pop out a jab cross without even thinking about it. Don't punch a sword, obviously. But the two knocked them out, knocked them down. So... That is like the basis. I know this story is pretty crazy and pretty intense, but it has a happy ending because, well, they did fuck up the stitches. They're supposed to use dissolvable stitches and those were deep in my hand for five years. I, they tried to pull it out. I tried to get the same hospital to fix it about four months later. They didn't even fix it. So they, these stitches stayed in my tendon, but I just had them removed and that's why I wanted to tell this story because now they're finally gone. And I believe like this is a, a powerful cycle to go through five years of something of all this crazy shit that's happened since, but... That's like a thorn taken out of my paw that, wow, I lived through that. And what made me be able to live through that and still thrive and flourish and smile and grow and love was practice and techniques and learning skills over pills. You got to be able to learn something dope and integrate it and then use it in every other situation. And that's why I'm so devoted to personal development because it changed my life and it also saved my life many times over. So if there's anything you can get out of this one is careful who you fuck <laughs> and also train.
consistently be training, consistently be in a place of growth and looking for every opportunity you can to learn a new skill, integrate it, and then see where you can apply it. It doesn't have to be an emergency situation, but continuously learning and growing and staying on this path of growth is the way of life that is going to be a worthy path worth walking. Now, I know there's dark shit out there everywhere. There's good shit out there everywhere too. You know, there's dark forces opposing us, trying to brainwash us to turn us into, you know, sheep. Yes, I I do believe that there's a lot out there that isn't in our benefit. But I also believe that there's a way of the light and the way of the heart warrior that we can get stronger. We can continuously better ourselves. And the pursuit of excellence in our life is the greatest act of rebellion that we can have against opposing forces that are trying to keep us small or feed off of us energetically and all that. We just need to keep doubling down. Andy Frazella said the pursuit of excellence is the greatest rebellion. I love that. I love that. He's a G. Because we need to continuously be ready for the fights, you know, preparing for the worst, hoping for the best. And it's going to help us in the smallest situations as well too, right? So I hope you take away from this, um, not just the crazy story, but take, take away an inspiration for you to be able to overcome anything that comes your way because of the dedication you have to training and the dedication you have to yourself and your betterment. And if you want any help with that and you want to get some coaching from me on mindset, mental strength, growth, hit me up on Instagram and I'll walk you through it. I got a few programs, a few offerings where I'm helping people level up, sort their shit out, become stronger human beings and be able to serve humanity at a higher level and lead with heart. And please, if you found this interesting and you found this a good podcast to listen to and you think somebody else would enjoy it, please share it. Please share it. I appreciate that. Give us a review, like, and follow. And I'll see you on the next one. Don't get into no sword fights. Big love, homies. I'm Aaron Baya, and this is the Ink Pray Love Podcast. Peace out. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Ink Pray Love Podcast. I hope you found it inspiring, entertaining, funny, and also feeling a little bit more present and connected to yourself. Please leave a review and like and subscribe and do all those things. I'd really appreciate that. As well as if you're feeling in a giving mood, this podcast is there for the charities that I love to support. Go to www.aaronbaya.com forward slash charity and get some of those good karma points. This podcast is brought to you by Lighthouse Studios in Bali, as well as Full Reset Coaching. That is my coaching practice. And if you're looking for help in business, inner game impact, and building your legacy to be something you're proud of, your brand, your business, and how you walk the earth and who you impact, and also having the mindset and the heart set to be able to be happy handling it all. I'm here for you. Just DM me. Let's go. Peace out, homies. I'll see you on the next episode.